0: What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Build Up Podcast. You know, one of the lives that I love to read and learn about in the Word is the life of Joseph. And when I look at the life of Joseph, what really gets my attention are certain moments in his life by the way he responds. His, his, his responses that he has at these certain just critical Uh, moments in his life. And I think that a lot of us can relate because, you know, we can't control the situations that we're going to face in life. We can't control, you know, the things that we're going to go through with our family, with our personal health, with our finances, our work situations. We can't control none of that, but we can control our responses. And there's a couple couple responses in Joseph's life that just really stands out to me. And so the life of Joseph all began with him having these dreams as a young teenager, these dreams that, you know, one day he's going to rule and his family's going to bow down to him. And and he has a couple of these dreams. And so, you know, he does the little brother thing and he tells his big brothers all about these dreams. So, of course, they don't like that. And they come just not to really like Joseph at all because he's daddy's favorite. And, you know, I guess he just kind of gets on their nerves. And so one day... Uh, Joseph's dad asked him to go check on his brothers. And so he goes out to go check on them. And they see Joseph coming in distance. And they make up this evil, evil plan to say, hey, this is our chance. Let's kill him. Then, finally, one of the brothers say, hey, hold up. Come on now. Let's not kill him. Let's just beat him up. Let's throw him in this cistern. And then let's sell him into slavery. So that's what happens to Joseph. And then, you know, he goes off and he goes to Egypt as a slave. He ends up working in Potiphar's house. And it says that the Lord was with him and that he has success with everything his hand touched. And he ends up becoming um, in charge of serving in Potiphar's house. And then what happens then is that now Potiphar's wife goes and, and, and tries to get Joseph to go to bed with her. And this is the first response that just jumps out to me. So as Potiphar's wife is trying to get Joseph to go to bed with her, you know, Joseph could have done this easily. You know, there probably was no one else watching, no one else there at the time, and he could have gotten away with it without anyone else knowing. But this was how Joseph responded to Potiphar's wife. Joseph said in Genesis 39, 9, he ends that by saying, how can I sin against my God? Joseph told Potiphar's wife, "How can I sin against my God?" Well, then, you know, Potiphar's wife is not going to stop. She's, she's going to continue to try to get Joseph to go to bed with her. And then finally, you know, he's going to run away from her at one point, and she's going to grab his robe, and now she's going to lie and say and say that 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 he tried to, you know, make a move on her. So now he's going to get thrown into prison, falsely accused, and now in prison, he's not going to give up. He's not going to say, you know, man, just forget trying to help out others. It says that he becomes, you know, in charge of that prison because he finds favor there with the guards. And then when two prisoners come, he helps them out by interpreting their dreams. And then they go back to to, to Pharaoh, but Joseph tells them, hey, when you go back to Pharaoh, remember me. Tell him about me. Get me out of here. Well, two years go by and they don't they don't remember Joseph. They forget all about him. So again, Joseph is just running into the worst of luck. I mean, just facing horrible situations. But then finally, Pharaoh himself is going to have dreams that's going to drive him crazy and no one's going to be able to interpret them. Then finally, the cupbearer of Pharaoh, who was the prisoner, he says, oh, my goodness, Pharaoh, there was a, a, a Hebrew man in prison that interpreted my dream. He could do the same for you. And so Pharaoh gets Joseph to come on out, and then he goes and he interprets uh, Pharaoh's dream for him, and it, and and then he, it comes out exactly the same way. And Pharaoh says, "Well, hey, look, you're going to be in charge of this because his dreams was that you know um, that 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 Egypt and the surrounding lands was going to was going to go through a horrible." famine for seven years and so they should you know store up for seven years before the seven years of famine hit and pharaoh said well joseph you're you're the man to be in charge of this and so pharaoh be and so pharaoh names joseph um to be the second in command only under him in all of Egypt. And so now Joseph's brothers, they're gonna make their way to get food, and now they're gonna come and bow down to Joseph because he's because he's in charge there in all of Egypt, but they don't recognize him. And then you know Joseph's gonna, you know, play this game with them and have them go back and forth and bring their younger brother, then finally. He makes himself known to them. And they all cry and they have this big embrace. And and then finally, you know, Joseph asked for them to bring their family back to Egypt so that he could see their dad. And they're all united. And then Joseph's dad passed away. And now that Joseph's dad has passed away, all the brothers say, you know what, this is a time that now Joseph is going to get his revenge on us. He is probably going to kill us for for what we did to him all those years ago. I mean, over 20 years ago, what we did to him by selling him as a slave. And Joseph's response is this. He says, you know what you meant for evil? By selling me as a slave all those years ago, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. God meant for good. I mean, can you believe that, that that's how he responds in that moment? He looks at his brothers, the ones who sold him into slavery, who beat him up, threw him in a cistern, and he said, well, you meant for evil, God meant it for good. So I asked myself, with these responses that Joseph had, I asked, man, how did he do it? How was he able to withstand all of this, able to perse severe, you know, because the scripture doesn't tell us that, oh, Joseph would, you know, go out daily and spend time with the Lord and worship and meditate on the word. It doesn't tell us that about Joseph. And so when I'm praying and asking God, like, man, God, how is Joseph able in the middle of these intense, critical moments in life, make the right decision? And what I felt God put on my heart is that, you know, at some point in Joseph's life, he decided who he was. He decided what he was going to stand for. He decided what he was not going to stand for. He decided who he was going to be. Joseph already decided all of that. If we wait for until the temptation comes our way, if we wait until the battle begins in life, if we wait until the storms hit and then and then we're going through um, a tough time in our marriage, we're going through a tough time in our relationships, we're going through a health battle, we're going through finance troubles. If we wait for the battle to begin and think that in the moment we are going to make the right decision, that in the moment we are going to stand for what's right we are most likely fooling ourselves because we have our flesh. Our flesh will probably take over in those situations, right? I mean, I know for me, it's, you know, letting my, my, my stress, my anxieties, my worries, my fears, my anger get the best of me. And then maybe, you know, lashing out. You know, I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. And so what do we do? I think of the words that Joshua used to the nation of Israel. When Joshua took over after Moses, he gave this big speech and he says, Look, if you think it is better to serve the gods of your fathers, to serve the gods of of, of the other nations, then choose this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua made a decision, not in the moment, not when the storms came, but he said, choose this day. Choose this day who you will serve. And me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is who we are going to be. That is, 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 is a, what we are going to stand for. And ultimately, it makes me think of Jesus' words in Luke 9, 23. Jesus said, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If we're going to make this pre-decision of who we are, who we're going to be, what we're going to stand for, what we're not going to stand for, it has to be a daily decision that we make. A daily decision. And you know, if Jesus in this time, when he mentions the cross, just that word, now this is before he is going to go on the cross and die for us and and then you know raise again you know before we before we know all of that at this point in time when Jesus tells these people to take up his cross daily I mean the cross that means death to them when they think of the cross the only thing that comes to their mind is that this is the most cruelest way that Rome uses to kill criminals, that it is a embarrassment, that it is humiliating, it is excruciating, painful, that it is a horrible way to die. That's all that comes to their mind when they hear the word cross. But Jesus told them, take up your cross daily and follow me. So what Jesus is telling them is that you need to die daily. If you're going to come after me, follow me, then you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, die daily to yourself, and follow me. So that's what we're to do. Daily, make a decision. Not when the moment comes, when the storms come, but daily, wake up every single day and say, today I die to myself. Today I die to my way, to my desires. I die to this world. I die today. I take up my cross, and I'm going to follow you. After that, Jesus is going to say, you know, if you lose your life for my sake, then you will find it. But if you try to keep your life, then you're going to lose it. So I'll tell you, this is how we should die daily. Number one, devotion. Devotion, spending time with the Father demonstrates That we do not live for ourselves. So how do we die daily? Man, have devotion time with the Father. Wake up early. um, You know, spend time on your lunch break with God. Open up the Word. Go for a little walk before you go to bed. Whatever it takes to make time to have devotion. That is how we show that we are dying daily. And our devotion, what we spend our time doing, I mean, that that shows what we're living for, right, or what matters most to us. I mean, people who, who, you know, work all day long on their job, well, we know that their job probably matters most to them. People that, you know, love to work on their cars all day or have some other hobby that takes up all their time, well, they're devoting their time to that because that matters to them. But when I look throughout the Psalms, and David and others, write how they would meditate day and night on the word, how they would rise early to seek after him, or how Jesus, you know, it says that he would get away often to go spend time in prayer. Man, devotion is the number one thing that we can do to say, God, I'm going to die daily. I'm going to die daily, pick up my cross daily to follow you so that when the storms come, I'm I'm, I'm gonna be ready to make the right decision, to to, to make a decision that's, that's gonna honor you. And the second thing that we can do to die daily is be in community, be in community. Community in the word is not just a suggestion for us but it is something that we are all called to be in. We are called to be in community. When we are alone on our journey in life, man, we are more susceptible to attacks of the enemy. But Hebrews 10.25 tells us this, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And in Ecclesiastes, it talks about how two is better than one. If one falls down, then the other is there to pick them back up. And I want to end with this. In Acts, looking at the early church, something that we all want to be like today. In Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, it says this. This is what the early church was looking like. And this is our goal today, right now, as the church. And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We are called for community. Just as this early church, it says time and time again that that together, they were together, they were attending the temple together. Let's find community out there through your local church, through just some brothers and sisters in Christ, getting together, having coffee together, whatever it takes. But let's be in community because by doing that, it will help us to pick up our cross and die daily to ourselves so that in the moment, when those moments come in life, when the storm comes, finances are in trouble, relationships are in trouble, our health, we're going to be ready to make the right decisions in those times. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that through your Holy Spirit that lives in us, when we ask for, when we ask for your son Jesus to, to, to live in our hearts as our Lord and Savior, that gives us the strength and the power to die daily, to pick up our cross daily, Lord God, so that we can make the right uh, God-honoring decisions as we go through life. And that's what we want to do, Lord God. We know that all this is possible through your son because of what he did for us on the cross. So we say thank you as you bless everyone out there. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.